Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Tim Keller um, once said that, that most people want Jesus to be a consultant and not a king. Okay, really, if you think about it, we want a consultant, because what does a consultant do? When you have the consultant come into your business or your organization, they come in, they might be very wise, they might know a lot of things, and they come in and they can tell you what to do, but then you get the ultimate decision. Well, do we want to do that? We don't have to listen to them. It's not a boss. <laughs> it's not an authority. It's a consultant that can tell me the wisdom that I might need in my life. But we don't have to do it, do we? We can, we can decide for ourselves, do I want to do this or not? I think a lot of us treat Jesus that way. Even people that are unbelievers are like, man, Jesus is kind of smart, okay? That love your neighbor as yourself, man, that stuff's gold, right? Literally the golden rule, right? That stuff's gold. We can take that. Everybody likes Jesus. I have very rarely found someone who's like, I don't like that Jesus. I hear about him. I've never met someone like that. Even Muslims are like, yeah, Jesus was a prophet. You talk to a Hindu, they're like, oh, Jesus was this great avatar. He came down and with, with a lot of wisdom. Everybody likes Jesus as a consultant. <laughs> but as a king, I'm not so sure. But what we're going to see today and in this series is that Jesus is not just a king, but the king of kings. And he's our king. And because of that, it should transform how we live. And so I'm going to challenge you today. You better recognize the king. Okay? You better recognize the king. Because I don't want you to miss him. I don't want you to miss him. You, you can recognize something because you see it, and you're like, oh, yeah, Jesus is the king. But also, you recognize a king, right? You submit to their authority. And I want you to recognize the king today and for every day for the rest of your life. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to jump back into the book of Luke. So if you have a Bible, if you have a smartphone, there's some Bibles in the back, too, if you want to hold a physical Bible in your hand, if you're one of those old-school people, right? Or on your phone, you can get the YouVersion Bible app, and if you go on the bottom right-hand corner, there's a More button. You can find the event for today. You can take notes right in the service for the Arise Church Denver event. So what we're doing is going through the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be in a series starting today called Flipping Tables, that over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at this aspect of Jesus. Yes, he's loving, yes, he's kind, but he also flips things upside down. He flips the world upside down. He flips our lives upside down, and he's literally next week going to flip some tables, right? Flipping tables. So what we're going to see in this series, I want to just challenge you guys to, to see this other aspect of Jesus that often gets neglected, because he's more than a consultant. <laughs> he's the king. And what I hope that you will do is stay here for all seven weeks. Some of you are just checking out our church. Maybe the first time you stumbled on our stream on YouTube, someone shared it with you. You're like, I don't even know if I like church. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I like Jesus, but not your Christians, if you're saying that. I, I understand it, but I challenge everyone to stay here for this seven-week series, to come every single week. And if you're like, oh, I'm already going to be out of town, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe on your podcast app. You're not going to miss a single message of this seven-week series. Because after seven weeks, if you're still like, I don't know about Jesus, that church, not my thing, that's fine. But give it seven weeks, okay? I think that's enough, right? But can you know within one message or one day? No way, okay? We can't. So just, that's my challenge. Commit to these seven weeks for this series. Because we're going to see that we need to better, that we better recognize the king, right? You better recognize the king. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, um, and we are going to start today in verse um, 28, 28, and this series will go all the way through chapter 21 of Luke. And in, in Luke 19, 28 is when we're going to open up. Um, but, what, but I want you to see, we're going to learn three things today about how we need to recognize the king, okay? You guys ready for this? Three ways that we need to recognize the king. And the first one is you better recognize the king with your treasure, with your treasure. Okay, we'll get this. We'll see this right away as we open up this passage. So here is Jesus in Luke chapter 19 coming into Jerusalem 
All the way back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus, it says that Jesus fixed his eyes on Jerusalem. He knew that he was going to the city where he, his life would be ended. He knew that he would die. He knew what was coming ahead. And he's predicted that over and over and over again. So as he now is approaching Jerusalem, he sees it now in this chapter. He's going to be coming over the hill into the city. He knows something is about to happen. And it says that he's um, in these small towns just outside of Jerusalem, Bethpage and, and Bethany. These were kind of the burbs of Jerusalem, okay? The small towns, they're, they're the bedroom communities. And he's coming through the burbs, and he's like, okay, I need something to enter into the city. So he sends two disciples ahead to get a Lamborghini. You, you guys didn't remember that from when you were a kid, growing up in Sunday school? No, Lamborghini, no, no, okay. No, he, he's got to get like Air Force One coming in, Right? Okay, come in, oh, Marine One? He's got to come in on a helicopter? Something, right? Is that what Jesus did? But no, in verse 30, it says that he talks to his disciples, some of his followers, and he says, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. This is a donkey, Okay. A colt, a baby donkey, right? A little donkey. And I know when we say donkey, a lot of you guys like go straight to Shrek, okay? Right? Yes, a donkey. Not a Lamborghini, not an airplane, not a helicopter, but Jesus says, go get a donkey and bring it here. One thing that's really fascinating is he says, okay, when they ask you, like, why are you getting the donkey? Say, the Lord needs it. Okay, a lot of people have called Jesus Lord already in the gospel, but this is the first time that Jesus refers to himself as the Lord. This is a big deal because he's finally coming out with who he is. He's finally stepping into this role of being the king. And the Lord wasn't just set, like something that you said in those days. It's like all the lords, all the ladies, like, oh, like all this aristocracy and nobles. No, it wasn't like that. There was one person who was lord in Israel in those days. Do you know who it was? Caesar. Caesar was lord. He was the emperor, and he ruled over Israel as this state that had to submit to the great empire of Rome. Caesar was lord. But Jesus here says, no, I am Lord. This is major. This is huge. We don't understand this. This is like saying, you know, no, I'm the president, right? We're all sorts of people getting angry about that kind of stuff, right? No, no, you're not president. You didn't, okay, we're, we're all fighting about that stupid stuff in our country, right? But Jesus says, I'm Lord. Go tell them. He's claiming his kingship here. That he is not just on a level with an emperor, of the greatest empire the world has ever seen, but he's above it. So it says in verse 32, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And what did they reply? The Lord needs it. Okay, I think this is really interesting. You know, a lot of people like debate, like, did he like know what was going to happen? He knew the cult was going to be there and he predicted it. Or did he just like have this arranged ahead of time? Some people think he had like this arranged. He's like, when I get there, I have that ready. I don't know. We don't really know. But why I think this is significant, and I never saw this before this week. I never saw this before. But it, it says its owners asked. It's one little donkey, but it has owners. I really had to think about it. Why is this? Well, I dug into it. And the thing was, in those days, a lot of people could not afford their own donkey. Meaning this is like a co-op. They got a whole collective group of people that own one donkey. I saw this when I was in Nebraska. They would have these quarter million dollar pieces of machinery, these, these great combines to go harvest all the 
the, the corn, all the, the soybeans, but it would be shared between multiple families because nobody can afford a quarter million dollar piece of machinery, right? That's a lot. You have to have a huge farm for that. So they would share a machinery. In the same way, families shared a donkey for work, for transportation, to go into the city from the burbs, and its owners. And yet when they're asked, can you give the donkey? If somebody came to you and said, hey, can I, can I borrow your, your, your car? Randomly, you've never met this person. They come up and say, can I borrow your car? You're like, no, okay. I know there's a lot of car theft here in Colorado. Okay, I'm calling the police right now, right? You're not gonna just like hand over the keys. But these people do it immediately because it's the Lord, it's the king coming. See, the king in those days actually had the right to basically confiscate any property they wanted, okay? They're commandeering the vehicle like a police officer might do today, but in those days, the king could do it. Only the king, though. Not a good teacher, not a consultant, <laughs> right? Yet, when these disciples come and they say, hey, we need that donkey for the Lord, for the king, they say, here you go. They're handing over their expensive property. These owners are like... This is maybe their most valuable piece of property they own. And they say, yes, it's for the king. They're handing over what? Their treasure. Handing over their treasure to the king. And it goes on, this is so interesting. It says in verse 35, they brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So they're entering into Jerusalem, and there's all these people on the road because this is the time of Passover. This is the great feast that once a year, people would come from all over the entire nation. All the Jewish people, all the people of God would come once a year on their pilgrimage to come to Jerusalem to celebrate and have a great feast. So there are probably hundreds, maybe hundreds of thousands of people on the road here. And the disciples first take their cloaks off, put it on the donkey, and then all these people are taking off their cloaks too. Hey, Sam, can I have your coat? Can, can, you, can I have that can? Okay, I just want you guys to think about this, okay? We all have lots of coats, right? But if I just take this and I just throw this on the ground, can I, can I walk on it? See, look, look at it. Anybody else want to volunteer their coat so I can walk on it? How do you feel about that? Okay, if you, if you just said, think, okay, this is just like a jean jacket, right? Yeah. It's a pretty nice one, though. I like it. I like it, Sam. Thanks. Thank you. Can we thank Sam for that? Just the thought of me, like, stepping on his coat, he's getting a little nervous, right? <laughs> now, can you imagine putting that on a, a stinky donkey for someone else to sit on and sweat on for who knows how long? And then to put those on the ground for that same donkey to trample on. And in those days, people probably only had one coat. And it was not only their coat to keep them warm at night, keep the sun off them during the day, but it was also the coat they slept in every night. This was their sleeping bag too. And hundreds, thousands of people are taking their coats off to put it in front of the donkey. Why? Because this is the king who's coming. This is the king. We must honor him. This is laying out the red carpet with the best. It's like when someone comes over, you get the fine china out. You, you spend a lot of money that you can't afford to have a feast because the king is coming we got to give our treasures to the king. So you better recognize the king with your treasures. I mean this. Are you giving your best to Jesus? Are you trusting him with that? Some of you are like, well, if he came to my house, I would. Okay. 
But do you know what Jesus tells us? He tells us whenever we treat the least of these, my brothers of mine, the poor, the needy, the hurting, when we treat them, we treat Jesus. That's what he said. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Jesus told us then we serve the poor, we're serving him. He also told us to serve his church. Do you know the church is the bride of Christ? So when we do something for the church, when we give our treasures to the church, we're doing something for Jesus. And if Jesus truly is the king of kings, we must honor him. These people just knew it instinctively. Take off your coats. Give them the donkey, the treasures. Let's give it to Jesus because he's the king. And if he is the king, he deserves our best. So I want to challenge you to recognize the king with your treasures. I don't know what that means for you. Some of you, it is physical treasure, some stuff that you have. How could you use that for Jesus? How could you help someone in need? It might be stuff, it might be your house, it might be you know, your jet ski. I don't know, maybe you have one of those. How, how could you use that for the kingdom? Maybe it's not stuff. Maybe it's cold hard cash, right? That's a lot of times our treasure, right? What's in our accounts? Are we honoring the king? Are we recognizing the king with, with our treasures? Are we giving generously? 21% of regular church-going Christians don't give a single dollar to their church ever. 21%, one out of five. Do you think that's recognizing the king? 71% of Christians give less than 2% of their income. 71%. So if you're adding those up, you'd see that there's a very small percentage of people that give even above 2% that would even be considered maybe a tithe. Are we recognizing the king with our treasures? I think this is a challenging word to us because we Christians today give less percentage-wise than Christians did during the Great Depression. We got all sorts of inflation. Government's throwing cash out left and right. Okay? And we still are holding on to our treasures, right? But if Jesus is the king of our lives, he's got to be the king of what we have too, our treasures. Let me tell you this. Amy Carmichael, a great missionary, Irish missionary, she said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think about that. You can give the money, and you're like, fine. But if you love someone, you're going to give to them. So if we love Jesus with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it includes our treasures. So this is the first thing we're, we're recognizing here. Jesus isn't even asking people for it. They're just giving it, right? They're saying, wow, this is a way to honor the king, and I want us to feel the same way. How can I honor the king with my treasures? And that's why at the end of our message today, we're going to have an opportunity for you guys to practice this, right? <laughs> How can we practice giving our treasures? Because you can do that financially. That's the first thing that we need to do, is recognize the king with our treasures. But the second thing is that you better recognize the king with your praise, with your praise. It says uh, in verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, this is just like the last leg before they're entering into the city, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Joyfully. This means they're happy. <laughs> they're excited. They just got their cloaks all messed up. They're still pumped, right? Who cares? It's just a coat. Get another one. But this is the king of kings. Let's praise him with our voices. And it says they do it with loud voices. Did you know that it is biblical to be loud? Okay. 
Yeah, it's biblical. Sam's like, yes, praise God, right? Okay, it's biblical to get loud and praise God. In the Old Testament, some of you are like, oh my gosh, the band's so loud. Or they used to have clanging cymbals, right? That's what it says, clanging cymbals in the, in the Psalms. This is loud, okay? Have you ever been next to someone crashing a cymbal? I know because my freshman year of high school, I was the cymbal guy. It's loud, okay? I wasn't good enough to be on the drum line yet. I was clanging the cymbals. It's so loud. I think I still have hearing loss, right? But we get loud and we praise the King of Kings. In verse 38, it says they, they, they started yelling out. They, they cried out. Maybe they sang. It says, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That first line, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, actually comes from Psalm 118. It's possible they were singing that. This was a song, there's, there's a section of Psalms, and 118 falls in this section that was sung every Passover. They sing it every single year. This is like a Christmas song for them, right? Everybody knows these songs, and they're singing Psalm 118. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But this psalm was a psalm predicting the Messiah, the king, would be coming. But a fascinating thing is that in Psalm 118, it just says, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But they change the word one here, don't they? What do they say? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The Messiah has come. The king has come. And that second line actually sounds very much like what the angels sang when Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest. They are praising with the angels. They're praising with all the saints that have gone before them because the king has finally arrived and they're recognizing it. And they've got to praise him. And they've got to praise him loudly. This is the king. But it says in verse 39, some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the pastors, <laughs> and the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because they're calling Jesus the king, the long-awaited one, the one who's going to save God's people. Rebuke him, Jesus. This is your chance to set the record straight that you're not the king. You're just a good teacher. You're just an advisor. Let him know. Let's set the record straight. But Jesus responded in verse 40, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Even the rocks are going to be praising me if they don't. He's saying, I am the king. It's time to declare praises to the king of kings. And if you don't, the rocks will scream it out. I, I think <laughs> that there might be like a, a joke here. Maybe not a joke. Maybe an insult is the right thing. Like, even a blockhead would know that I'm the king. Someone with rocks for brains would be able to pick this up, okay? I think that's maybe what Jesus is saying here. He's like, rocks can get this. What is wrong with you? What is in your head, okay? I'm the king. Praise me. Recognize me with your voice. Sing loudly with your heart. And people are, once again, responding naturally this way. We believe here one of our core values is passionate worship. And what we mean by that is that we worship Jesus authentically to glorify God and to captivate the unchurched. And we say the word authentically. I want to focus on that for just a second. The word authentically. Because when you are around something that's awesome, you authentically worship it. I know that I saw Val Schur on Instagram yesterday. I asked her if I can make fun of her. right? Because her bangles won last night. Yeah, 
she was up and cheering in some, wherever you guys were, some restaurant, you guys were cheering loudly, like, you don't care what other people think, you're up on your feet cheering because your team won, right? Has anybody ever done that before? Okay, anybody? I see some, somebody with a Chiefs jersey on back here. We believe in church discipline here. Uh, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. It's not like the Broncos are doing anything, right? Sheesh. Although maybe we can get Aaron Rodgers after that loss last night. Ooh. 21 days of prayer. Let's start again. Okay, guys? Okay, but, but when your team wins, you cheer, right? Loudly. You're up on your feet. Your hands are in the air like Sam was talking about. Okay, you're excited. Or maybe it's not your team, but, but when you're at your favorite concert... Or you're driving around and Adele comes on, mm. singing that loud, right? Who cares who, who's in there and people are looking at you when you're driving around, right? Don't we do this? We, we went with uh, our, our family, we went to the, the pro rodeo on Friday, okay? People are cheering for the, it just like makes you cheer when something exciting is happening and you're, you're cheering for these people. Hold on, eight seconds, you can do it, Right? You just cheer when there's something exciting, something thrilling. That's, that's in a sense, a praise. So if we're going to do that for our sports team, for our band, for someone riding a bull, okay, we should for sure do it for Jesus, okay? Because if he's the king of kings, all those other things are like nothing. Okay. John Elway comes and goes, right? Aaron Rodgers comes and he went, right? It all comes and goes, but king, Jesus is the king of kings forever. How can we not come in here with thanksgiving in our hearts? That's what we're commanded in the Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts. What do you guys do to prepare before you come in here on Sunday mornings? Have you ever thought about that? You ready to get loud the moment the first song starts? Or do you show up 20 minutes late and you're like, oh, missed the last song. Okay, right? Do we come to praise the king of kings? Because if he's the king, we've got to declare it. This is natural. I'll tell you what I do. I get the playlist of the songs that we're going to do each week, and I listen to them in the morning. Some of my kids, the kids are all like, now they're like, can Alexa play something else, right? Can't we do some more silly songs or whatever? You know? No, no, no Cedarmont kids. We're worshiping the king this morning because I get ready to worship the king with everybody else so that when I come in here, I'm red hot, ready to go. When you're online, okay, man, it's hard to worship online, okay? I feel for you. Give me an amen if you're online, okay? It's hard, isn't it, at home? Maybe you're sick and you're going to be at home again, or some of you are online now regularly. If that's you, you've got to prepare yourself to praise the king. What can you do? Maybe you need to get some candles going, okay? Get the lights set at the right mood. Make sure all the other electronics are shut off. You do not disturb on your phone. Okay, you're focused. And I'm going to sing, even though it's weird to sing by myself in my living room, right? I don't know where you are. Maybe you're on a ski lift right now, okay? I want you to sing. Who cares if people think you're crazy? You're worshiping the king. Okay, I want you to think about that. Am I ready to praise the king? Because if he's the king, he deserves my praise. You better recognize the king with your praise. With your praise. There's a third thing that we need to recognize the king with. So we need to recognize the king with your life. With your life. Because if recognizing, it's not just like, oh yeah, Jesus is the king. Cool, I can say that once. But no, if he's the king, I've got to recognize it. I've got to submit to it. I've got to say he's the authority and not just a consultant with everything in my life, with everything in my life. It says in verse 41, 
as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city. He's come over the hill. He's looking down as he's coming into the city. He sees the temple on the mount. He wept over it. Do you know there are only three times in the entire gospel that Jesus cries? And this is one of them? I think this is interesting because this is a celebration, isn't it? It's a party. People are excited. Finally, the king is here. He's finally declared that he is the king. He's calling himself the Lord now. This is like the coming out party, right? We can celebrate. We can go into Jerusalem and have a great time. Everything is going to be okay, finally. But Jesus weeps. He weeps. Now, all of us have a lot to cry about, okay? <laughs> you know, we have people that die. We, we get sick. We have hard things in our life. We've cried lots of times. Who hasn't cried? And I'm not just talking about when you're watching Pride and Prejudice, guys. Okay? It's just, you know, indubitably, right? Okay, it's not that, okay? We have a lot to cry about, but why does Jesus cry here? It's because he looks out on all these people who don't believe who don't believe, these Pharisees. And I think, sadly, a lot of these people are just kind of going along with the crowd. Because these same people that are going to be shouting Hosanna on that Sunday, this was a Sunday as this happened, would be the ones who, who chanted crucify him on Friday. Going along with the crowd. He's cool one day, not the next. Jesus weeps because there are many people in that city of Jerusalem who would die eternally because they did not actually make him king of their life. He says as much in verse 42. He wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. They don't see it. They don't recognize the king. And in verse 43, Jesus says, The days will come upon you, when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Did you notice that last line? You did not recognize the time of God's coming. It doesn't even just say the Lord's coming or the King's coming. He said God's coming. Jesus is the boldest he's ever been at this point because he's finally saying the truth. He is the king of kings. He's God himself in the flesh. Coming to save his people, and yet this city of Jerusalem will be the city that rejects him. Thousands, hundreds of thousands would go to judgment apart from eternal life. This prediction came true. If you've ever studied history, you'd know that, that Jesus made this. We, we know that Jesus either died in 30 AD or 33 AD. We don't need to get into the details now why it's those two times, but it's one of those two. And in 70 AD, almost 40 years later, the city of Jerusalem would be attacked by the Romans and completely destroyed. The temple would be taken stone from stone, toppled onto the ground, never to be rebuilt again. It still doesn't exist today. All that would happen. I think it's always amazing. God gives a lot of like, grace period for people to repent. You notice this? Every time there's a story where, where people like, like you, should sin, you should stop sinning, Nineveh. Okay, you, three days, and three days they repent, right? God gives them here almost 40 years to repent and turn to Jesus and declare that he is the king of kings. Still they didn't. So Jesus is saying judgment is coming, and he knows it. 
because they did not with their lives declare that Jesus is king. Because it doesn't really matter if you like Jesus or not. It doesn't even matter if you're like, man, he's got some good advice, some good wisdom. What really matters is, is he truly the king? And if he is the king of kings, if he is God himself, I must listen to him. Because all eternity is in his hands. And my eternity is in his hands. And he makes it very simple. When we repent from our sins and turn to Jesus in faith, we will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. Turn your life to Jesus. And with your life, if you declare that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved from all destruction. You're still going to have some tough things in your life, right? There's going to be suffering. But you know that even in this life, you will have the greatest life and true joy. And in the next life, you will live forever with the fullness of joy. Only if we declare that Jesus is the king of our lives. That's why Jesus is weeping. He's crying. Because he knows each one of us have things in our lives where we're like, I'll let Jesus be the consultant here. But the king, I don't know. He can have my Sunday mornings, but I get my Friday nights. We, we can say, hey, um, you know, I, I will, I'll tithe, I'll even start tithing, but, but that weed is mine, okay? That, that alcohol, I, I can drink as much as I want every once in a while, Right? Sex, let's, let's not let God touch that part of my life. We all have different things in our lives where we're like, I don't know. Can Jesus truly be the king of that? But Jesus is saying he is the king. So you better recognize the king with your life. With your life. To submit to him. Now he doesn't expect us to be perfect right away. <laughs> He's working on us. He's saving us. He's drawing us to himself. But I think we have to make this daily reminder to ourselves that we must die to ourselves and live for Christ. I'm saying this because some of you need to make that decision today, whether it's for the first time or you're like, you've got to come back. You've not been living the way you should have, and you know it. But guess what? We have a Savior who says, come to me. He has grace and forgiveness and mercy afresh for you. Why? Because not only was he a humble, or not only was he the king of kings, but he was a humble king, wasn't he? We saw him on a donkey. It says in Zechariah 9.9, and if I can jump back in my slides. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy here. Because in, in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. And in verse, the second half of the verse, it says, Lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. See, the king of kings left everything to humble himself and enter on a donkey. And then on top of that, he humbled himself even more by dying on a cross. He left his crown of glory and picked up that crown of thorns. He died in our place so that that terrible judgment that we all deserve for our sin is put on Jesus and we can receive his grace and mercy and kind. And that's why we need to recognize the king with our lives. With our lives. I heard a story not too long ago about a, a young girl that was deciding to get baptized. We're, we're having baptisms next week, going public. A lot of us don't realize, because I grew up in a Christian household, getting baptized was like cool, but it was like, eh, fine. But this girl, um, her dad was an atheist and told her she couldn't get baptized. And if she did, uh, the dad would disown her. But she decided, I'm going to follow Jesus anyways. He's my Lord. He's my king. 
She went into the baptism waters, and when she got home, all her stuff was in suitcases on the porch. She wasn't allowed back in the house. And at 18, I had to move out. I have a friend, and I've told you about him. He's a pastor down in Arizona, and, and he uh, was raised Muslim. And when he came to faith when he was living in Turkey, and, and he believed in Jesus Christ, and he declared that, he said, there's like a 50-50 chance I could die for this. That, that's the decision a lot of people make. But if Jesus is king, it's worth it. So that's one example of baptism. But whatever God is calling you to, whatever Jesus is saying, do this, leave that, come with me, it's, it's worth it. It's going to be hard. But we must declare that Jesus is the king of kings in our lives. Because that king died for you. So you could live for him. So you could live for him. Um, this, uh, this week was a, kind of a tough one. We, there's a guy named Richard. A lot of you might know Richard because he used to sit in the front row every week. Uh, an older black gentleman, and, and Richard would come with the Debuses every week. Um, and last Sunday, after the service, it was so good because Richard had been gone for a few weeks, but, but he, he said, Matt, I'm so glad to be back. I can't wait for next Sunday. You know? I was like, cool. Can't wait to see you, Richard. Well, Richard died on Wednesday. Well, they still don't know what really happened. He was kind of found on the side of the road. Um, and I, I think it's crazy because Richard literally, like not everybody says this, that's like, see you next Sunday, but Richard said it and meant it, right? See you next Sunday. But he's not here. But he's in heaven, right? Because Jesus was the king of his life. And he worshiped. He'd put his hand up, if you saw, saw Richard. He was hand up praising God every week. And it's, it's heavy moments like that. And I just want to say this to everybody. This might be your last Sunday here. Might be my last Sunday, right? None of us know when will be our last sermon that we'll ever hear. And I, I want to say this because some of you need to get right with the king of kings today. Don't wait till later. Don't wait and say, well, maybe when I'm older, I'll, I'll get this part of my life under control. I'll turn it over to him. When I'm more mature, when I'm more spiritual, maybe when I get married. No, no, no. Today is the day to make Jesus the king of your life. So whether it's for the first time or, or you need to renew that decision today, I want to give you a chance right now to get right with the king of kings. So if everybody could right now, let's just take a moment. You can close your eyes if you want. And I want to give you a second here just, just to spend time with God, to listen to his voice, and to respond. Lord God, speak to us. Lord Jesus, I want you to be more, consult, more than a consultant in my life. I want you to be king. So Lord God, I turn over my whole life to you. I repent of my sins. And I pray that you'd stir in each person's heart today who needed to hear this message today. Whether they're hearing it online or here in person, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their heart. And that you truly would be their king from this day on and forever. Now with eyes closed, some of you need to make Jesus the king for the first time. It's not you're coming back to him, but you need for the first time to declare that Jesus is the king of your life, your savior, your king. 
And if you've never done that, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in prayer. So what we're going to do here, if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud. And maybe for some of you, you're going to need to say this out loud for the very first time and accept Jesus as your King and Savior. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is King. Give me your spirit. I accept your gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and to recognize you as the king of my life. Now with eyes still closed, nobody looking around, if, if you made Jesus your king today for the first time and you meant it, I want you to shoot your hand up into the air. One, two, three. Let me see those hands. If you're here, Put your hand into the air high so I can be praying for you and encouraging you. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. We would love to encourage you and follow you up with you. Lord God, um, I declare that you are king. We as a church declare that you are a king, and we want to follow you. We want to obey you in all things, in every aspect of our life. Be the king of kings for us. In Jesus' name.